Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to say 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 104. I'm your friendly neighborhood bag milk here to guide you through the next hour of your life as my friends Tyler Uramchuk, Nation Dan, and Rick from The Pint are going to discuss all things NHL and Edmonton Oilers, as we always do. To start off, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giants out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. They've got all your service needs, your vehicle needs, whatever you need in terms of a new vehicle. Maybe you want a brand new Bronco. They still haven't responded to my request for seven new Broncos for the boys, but I'll keep working on it. If you want to follow them on Twitter, they're at Sherwood Ford on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant on Instagram. And as we like to do every Friday, we're going to start off this week's podcast with the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Mr. Uramchuk. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I threw this one up on our Instagram and you know where else I threw it up? On our Twitter, which is back. Wasn't that exciting? We are back. We are back. We are back on Twitter. Uh, the question this week, Sherwood Ford giant question, the Oilers, it's fill in the blank. The Oilers' offseason will be a success if, and that's where the blank comes in. Who wants to start it? Dan, I'm looking at you, buddy. I, you yeah, it? I can start it. Uh, well, for me, it's it's two things, but the main thing is if he can pull off uh, a cap shift, wherever that would be to to free up some space for us to make moves. Uh, the the second part of that, of course, would be to, to fix the... Uh, or fill in a goaltending position with somebody that is of the of the upper echelon of free agent goaltenders or upper echelon of traded goaltenders. So there's two parts there. If you only get to pick one flavor, Nation Dan, fill in this. All right. So if the Oilers off season will be a success, if we have some cap space at the end of it, mm-hmm. hard to argue that one. Rick, what do you think? Uh, Dan, you were right, but you chose the wrong one at at the end. The uh... Goaltending. That's that's the uh, that's the big issue. We also saw what the save percentage was coming out of that round against Chicago. We had just nine oh five, nine ten save percentage. We were still playing, we were moving on. Uh the, the biggest need we have right now 
And we've seen what this team can do, these exact players on the ice. We've seen them already in the last season, what they can do when they're playing well. They just need goaltending. Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. I'm going to jump in next because this is Tyler's question and he's had hours to think about the perfect answer. So I'm going to say the Oilers offseason will be a success if they can upgrade the defense. They can upgrade the defense. To to me, yeah, I'm going to go. This is what I'm thinking. You move Russell out, that also satisfies part of Dan's. Yeah. But that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything to the defense because to me, he's not even in the top six right now. But he's still playing. He's playing too much. Well, he and was last year, yeah. So I think that moving Russell out, letting Caleb Jones slide into that spot, that's automatically an upgrade. But if he can pick something up, maybe on the right side, whether that's a replacement for Matt Benning, maybe old man Bush comes in, we can improve the up the defense. That is my off-season success. Tyler, final word on it. Yeah, I think I, I just keep looking back to, you know, the reason that they lost against Chicago and it wasn't cap space. It wasn't defense. For me, it was goaltending and a lack of a third line that could produce at five on five. So I'm going to say, you know, they probably have to get one of those things. And I think the bigger emphasis is on goaltending. They need to get a goaltender with the ability to steal you games on a at least semi-consistent basis. So this offseason will be a success and the Oilers will have a chance to not only make the playoffs, but when a playoff round, if Ken Holland goes out and gets you a goalie that can consistently play above 915, I uh, have a consistently above a 915 save percentage. So that's going to be my answer. It's goaltending. I'm going to flip the question now. What would make for a disastrous offseason? Is it something like doing nothing, going, going basically into 2020-2021 with the same peak? team as we had last year what would be a disastrous offseason from your perspective Tyler I'm starting to use yeah that one that's a question that's a lot more difficult to just wrap up in one answer or in one word uh so it'll it'll take me a second here but like if we're dropping the puck next season whenever that happens and Mike Smith is the goal is still on the team or has to come back and you know it's Shahan and Haas down the middle in the bottom six and, you know, maybe Athens is back, Ennis is back, but there's no improvement anywhere in that forward core. Like, if it's just status quo, I guess, and he doesn't free up cap space, he doesn't move out of contract, he doesn't bring in a big name anywhere, either between the pipes or, or as a third-line center, then I think this offseason can be considered a disaster. The Oilers can't... While I'm, we had this big debate on Real Life yesterday of, you know, what is win-now mode? Is it smart to be pushing your chips into the middle for one season? I, I don't think they should be doing that, but I don't think they should be standing pat because you don't want to waste years of Connor McDavid. Rick, what do you think? What would make for a disastrous Oilers offseason from your perspective? Uh, maybe a little bit of Chia mixed with a little bit of Tambellini. Um, like if he if he just sits, you know, doesn't do anything, that's not great. We saw we've seen what the what the goaltending situation is, and it's not going to get any better. The older Smith gets. Um, and then, yeah, you compound that with a couple of stupid trades. Um, that would be, that would be horrific. Dan, what do you think? Well, I see, I think that, uh, that's where my question or my answer to the question kind of is, makes it the right one. Because if we come out of this in the same cap crunch we're in right now, I think that that's a disaster going forward. Not this if you have a just, good goaltender, though. Well, if you have a good no, goaltender, yeah, I think this if is our summer is the exact same way it is right now, I think but that the cap space somebody is and get the, a goaltender in there. But fine. I think the cap space is the horse before the cart kind of thing. 
because because if you get that calf base, then yes, you can address your goaltending issues and you can address the third line center issue, hopefully. Um, but all those things don't happen if you're going to continue and maintain the same number for for the cap issue. I think that if we go into the season with Mike Smith as a goaltender and we go into the season with Shahan and Haas as our three and four centers, we were an okay team. We were a good team no. with the team that we had in place in the regular season. We were. There's just there's no two ways about it. I'm not yeah, saying but Mike that, Smith's I'm not, not going to be that, good again for another year. You can't guarantee that. I'm not that. saying it. Well, and I can't guarantee that he's not. But but no. the question was what makes a lot it easier a disaster. What makes it a disaster? The fact is, that is, you're is going not to another, having there's no improvement. You should be making improvements in the off season. But that's my that's the point is that you if you don't get the cap space, you're not going to be able to improve. But you don't necessarily get the cap space and then go get the player. Sometimes you're making a trade for that player. Therefore, you know you're not really changing your cap space, yeah. but you're bringing in that other player. Like you get what if what if it's a deal to get a goalie and Chris Russell's a throw in there? Well, you're not really creating cap space, but you're improving. Well, yeah, because I don't see it. But you did by the very nature of moving Chris Russell, you you freed up cap space. I mean, I think you brought in you brought in the goaltender right away, so you really didn't change anything. I think when I hear the you the way you say that is that you need to make some trades for some picks, open up some cash, and then go UFA shopping. And I think we should stay far away from that. I think we should make a hockey deal. Well, I think, that, I think that the, the Arizona Coyotes are primed for a move, yes, that, that includes moving around some picks to try and move around some cap space. And then you are just free to make whatever move that needs to be, whether it's another trade or it's a, or a free agent move. But yeah, I, I, I think that the cap space is, the, is a disaster and a and the thing that that marks the success the most because getting a getting that goaltender that elite level goaltender requires cap space okay. getting that that third line center is going to require some kind of cap space is only good if money is but the yep. the question was what will make the Oilers offseason a success and i don't think the answer can be cap space because that would lead me to believe that if they drop the puck with 9 million dollars in cap space next season they're fine like the, yeah. the cap space needs to happen regardless but the cap space isn't what's going to make this offseason a success. What will make it a success is going out and getting a goalie and getting a center and making tangible improvements to this hockey club. Yeah, that's fair. I guess, yeah, you're right. Maybe my answer to the to the Sherwood Ford question was incorrect. But I think that if you don't have that cap space move, that makes it a disaster. I think we were all agreeing. We, were, we all got to the right answer. We were just arguing about how we got to the right answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But I think that if you don't, if you look, if we look at the start of next season and you have our four answers up on the board and they've only addressed one or two of them, then that's a disaster. Right? Yeah. To me, the, uh, for me, the answer is the Oilers offseason is a disaster. If they go in with the go into next season with the same goaltending tandem, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I I just think that you could sell me the same six defensemen as an example, yeah, but you can't sell me Koskinen Smith again. And Smith 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 can't be there. Koskinen either or that's that's whatever it is, but but Smith can't be there. Smith has to go. Koskinen, whatever we can deal with him. He had a decent season, like during the actual season. The numbers weren't horrible. Um, however, when the chips are down, they bullshit the bed. We need someone that can help handle the load with Koskinen. And Smith's not the guy. And having Smith as your 1A or your 2 or whatever, that's, that's not a great thing either. Because you don't want to roll with one goaltender playing 65, 70 games. They've proven that's not the thing anymore. 
So we need two guys who can handle, you know, 30 games at least each. Um, and yeah, and still have those, and still have those nine, ten, nine, fifteen numbers. I and like call me crazy, but I still think Miko Koskinen has a lot of good hockey left in him. I think he's a fine regular season goalie, and we're seeing with Hudobin that any goalie in the right system playing the best hockey of their lives in the NHL, they can bring you to a Cup final because no one saw Anton Hudobin doing this, right? So I I think you need bringing Koskinen back is fine, but you just need someone there as as a really really good insurance policy or someone that's going to make Miko Koskinen the really, really good insurance policy. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I would, based on how he's played in these uh, in the playoffs, I'm taking Anton Kudobin off my off-season sign list because a run to the Stanley Cup in a contract year, too expensive. Yeah. He's going to be way more expensive than he otherwise would have been. So I'm, I'm actually eliminating him from my shopping list well, entirely. The interesting thing that's going to come out of this is because apparently Dallas is going to be, and Frank Saravalli wrote about this, and he said this on TSN the other day, apparently Dallas really wants to bring him back. And that's leading to some questions around Ben Bishop, the 33-year-old making $5 million a season. Man, if Ben Bishop's on the market, I know he gets hurt sometimes, but that guy had a 250 goals against average and a 920 save percentage this season. His career numbers in his NHL career, 232 goals against average, 921 save percentage. If that guy's on the market, you give up something to get Ben Bishop. What's his What's his contract right now? I believe it's I I know it's five million more a season. Just let me pull up Puckpedia quickly here. Well, Tyler's 30, doing that. 30, Thirty-one. You don't want to give a brand new contract. To you, he's, right? he's, 30, to he's thirty-three. He has three more years at four point nine million. Thirty-three. You can stomach that. Four point nine. That's about ten million for our goaltenders. It's nine million. Yeah. Or yeah, sorry, nine and a half. Yeah. I, I think that's thing, fine. If, if you brought in Ben Bishop, just imagine how tall our two fucking goals are. Yeah. Get them to <laughs> stand on top of each it. other. That is intimidating shit right there. We'll never lose the, the, the soccer ball. We'll never get caught in the ceiling again before the games. They can just one on top of the other shoulders and they'll get not, no problem. I'll tell you what, Cam Talbot will think twice before he skates out to center ice if both our goalies are six foot seven. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I. To be honest, I think Cam Tamba would probably rethink skating out to center ice again after getting absolutely dummied last year. No offense to him. I love Dad, but always will. I'm not fighting Mike Smith. Yeah, smoke. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to our friends at Tourism Jasper. They are wonderful people. Jasper is a wonderful place, and they want you to go visit it this fall. Maybe a little staycation is what you need. Maybe a little something different. Switch things up in your weekend. There's plenty to do. Trails are emptying out. There's still wildlife out and about. Of course, there's the wonderful restaurants and pubs and scenery and tours and everything that you could ever hope to do in a mountain weekend you can do in Jasper. If you're looking for more details, go to jasper.travel. Get the information that you need, and maybe you will have yourself a wonderful weekend in the mountains. We talked a little bit about goaltending, so I'm going to stick with it. Ben Bishop, if he's on the on the, if he actually becomes on the market, that's just another solid goaltender that's entering an already crowded goaltending market, which makes things interesting. The Oilers rumored to be in conversations surrounding Darcy Kemper out of Arizona. Dan mentioned the Coyotes as a potential team to look at trading with earlier. My question for you guys is. It seems like, at least in the case of Matt Murray, that Ken Holland doesn't want to move that first-round pick for him. Sounds like maybe the same ask for Kemper. Is that more 
along the lines of what you'd look to do or not. Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts on Darcy Kemper? I don't know. A month ago, maybe I would have said yes, but the more I think about it, the more I think I'm not okay with moving this year's first-round pick. Like, the Oilers' prospect pool is it's not an A-plus prospect pool by any means, and I think you got to keep adding to that. I think as you move forward, as a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets a new deal, Ethan Barrel need a new deal, all that stuff, you're going to continue to need a pipeline of solid players who can come in and contribute on their ELCs. And a goaltender will really help you win next season. But you just talked about how loaded the goaltending market is this offseason. So I, I think you can probably get a good goalie without giving up the first round pick. I think you got to find a way to make that work. Like, even if it's a situation where, you know, you need to trade Puglia Yarvi or you trade Puglia Yarvi for a couple of picks and then use those picks to go get a goalie, I, I, I'm just really hesitant to use a 14th overall pick. And that could end up being a player who's in your top six in two seasons. Like, players develop quick now. Guys can make impacts in the NHL at a relatively young age. So, I really, really like Kemper. And the 14th overall for Kemper would really make me think long and hard. But I just, I don't think I can pull the trigger on that deal straight up. Rick, what do you think? We we all know we need goaltending, but how much are you willing to spend on it? I go back to what Tyler said a couple of weeks ago with a with a possible trade out of a team like Columbus where we moved um, double A and our first for one of their goaltenders and their first. Like I'm okay moving back, you know, but I think they're picking twenty one or twenty two. Um, I'm I'm fully on board for something like that. I understand that spending that first round pick, you know, what it can do. I don't know if I'm spending it on on a guy who's 30 or 31, though. Like, if, I, if I'm going to use it, I think I want a guy who's 25, 26. And if I can, if we can do that that deal that Tyler is talking about, that's that's definitely where I go. Like, it's, you, you want to be careful, but if we can somehow get that goal there and keep a first round pick, yeah, you, that's that's your obvious answer to me. And even with Arizona, like if they had a second rounder this year, and there was there was a deal to be made around like our first going to Arizona, but we're getting back there second and Darcy and like you're moving down and still keeping a pick somewhere in the first two rounds. I think I'm more open to it, but I just, I have a hard time. I'd have a hard time watching the Oilers go through a draft this year where they do not pick. If they give their third to Calgary this year, they won't be picking till round five. And I get scared with Arizona because I feel like somehow they're going to try and uh, put OEL in there. And I do not want that. I don't think OEL is the about, kind of guy you just slip into a deal. No, I understand that, but I, like if 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 they're looking at they're, you know there there's smoke around his name, right? Yeah. So and there you know, so it's obviously directed back to Edmonton, and that's some I just I don't see that being a good move for us. So I don't want to somehow get involved in a bigger trade where where but, you know he's coming back too, and then we're losing something on the defense and whatever that ended up being. I'd prefer to make something more goalie specific. And then, you know, like I said, even with the double A for, for, for whatever over in Columbus, that, that to me is what the, we want to do. That OEL keep that, that talk keeps scaring me too. So I don't want, I want to stay away from Arizona because I just feel like somehow they're going to get intertwined. The beauty of Arizona though, is that you could potentially work in a Chris Russell into that deal. And, and then all of a sudden that trade is a lateral trade cap wise for you. Yeah. You, you've you've subtracted from your defense, but you know it's not a guy that's in your top six by any means or top top even top four uh, in that conversation. But uh, and then and then you've you've essentially just fixed your goaltending for the next two years. You've got Koskinen and Kemper under contract for for just over eight million total, 
and and it's free money that you're going out and now you're using that to try and fix the defense. Like I just hey, if we're talking I know Russell that, for if we're talking Russell for Kemper or Russell and like a second or a third or whatever for Kemper, then yeah, I'm down with that. I'm worried about Arizona because I'm, I'm worried about somehow OEL being tangled in there and that us losing, yeah. like whether it be Clef Bomb or something like that. But I here's the thing, like I find, with, I find with Oiler, Oiler fans, and, and I'm guilty of it too, is that like with the Murray thing, like everybody was bullish on that and now everybody's kind of like, oh, I don't know, first round pick for Murray. like and, and rightfully so, we think about things. But like the Kemper one is like, it just, it makes too much sense for me uh, to see us make that kind of a deal with that kind of a team in the position that they're in, um, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with with the the OEL being thrown in there somehow. Um, I just don't think that's happening myself. But uh, I just, uh, I don't know. It, like sometimes, you, and to steal a quote from Peter Shirelli, sometimes you just have to pay the price that it is. And there's a reason that te- there's a bunch of teams sniffing around Kemper, and that's because he's a good goalie. And, and that's what we need now. We keep saying, we just said it in our last segment, we need good goaltending. And sometimes the price you have to pay includes something that you don't want to have to give up necessarily. But if you're going after the top tier guy that's under your contract, under contract for another two years, you have to pay that price. If Ken Holland trades 14 and Russell for Kemper, and let's say he gets like a fourth back in there as well, I'd be more okay with that deal if a subsequent move followed up that involved him recuperating a second round pick or a late first. Like if there was a situation where, you know, he makes that move and then he has a backdoor deal to trade JP for a second and a late third, then I'd sit there and go, you know what? When you look at the net of those two trades, you you had to move down out of the first round, but now you're in the second, you're in the third again. Yeah, you had to give up JP, but he wasn't on this team last year. You're still improving your club by getting Kemper. Then I'm more open to it. I just... I worry about not having a pick until round five. Like, that scares me to have an entire draft class just be poof, gone. There's even nothing there. That scares me. We've gone through seven rounds and not one of them making this team anyway. So, Well, I'll tell you one thing. If, if they're going to look at moving draft picks, I would rather than be next year's draft picks because who the fuck knows what's going to go on with that draft class as opposed to this one that yeah. actually had a season to play. Yeah, when we finished first in the league, obviously, it's you know, it's a... 31st, 32nd pick, so it's not that big of a deal. All right, I want to. We're going to stick with goaltending and we're going to stick with the NHL draft. The Askarov crowd is starting to make a little bit of noise here, so I want to know what everybody thinks about using the 14th overall pick to select a goaltender that they're saying could be the next Vasilevsky. Is anybody in favor of drafting a goaltender in the first round? Yeah. Tyler, go ahead. I. Again, you look at what Carter Hart is doing in Philadelphia. You look at what Andre Vasilevsky does in Tampa Bay. If you can get that guy, and by all reports, he's he's closer to ready than you'd think he'd be for a goalie. Let's say he's not playing here for, you know, three years. By that point, Koskinen's gone. Maybe you bring in a veteran for the next couple of years or a free agent stopgap. You try to make it work, knowing that in three years, you might have the next Vasilevsky, the next Carey Price coming into your organization, the next Carter Hart. Like, I just think the opportunity to fill that hole in your organization and shore that up is so good. And sometimes you miss. I know goalie, like Jack Campbell was in the first round too, and he didn't exactly pan out. But if the chance is there to draft a potential all-star goaltender, like, you take that. I And I know there were people saying, well, you're, you're ruining a chance to get a prospect in here that could help in the next couple of years. But, like, let's say the decision comes down to Seth Jarvis or Yaroslav Askarov. Would you rather have a potential top six winger 
who will need two years to get here or a potential number one goalie who would need three or four years to get here. Like, I think I take the goalie because it's such an important position. I think I would yeah, shore I that up. I take the winner. Because oh, uh, you said you said it earlier in the in the podcast. Like, look at what Kudobin is doing in Dallas. He's nobody would say that he's an all star goaltender yet. He's going to the Stanley Cup final. But you can also look at Tampa Bay and say, look at how easy their life has been since they got Vasilevsky. You shore up that position, and it's just so, so easy to not have that headache. Don't Dan, we have you- a don't we have a goalie playing really well in Russia right now? Ikonovalov, yeah, he's third round pick. There's some potential there, but I don't know. I just there's no numbers, chance, no numbers on him on Puck Media here. Um, he's yeah, Konovalov like so far. Uh, yeah, so far he's playing very, very well for Yaroslav. Um, they've only played a handful of games, so it's a short. Uh, it, it's a you know yeah. a small sample small size, but he's he's also an exciting prospect to look at. What I would what I want to add to my answer is just that if it comes down to 14, and for whatever reason Askarov and Jarvis are there. I would not be mad with either selection. I think they'd both be yeah. really, really good picks. I'm just saying I totally understand the people who are making the case for Askarov to be the guy because it makes sense to take a swing at a goaltender that by reading the scouting reports is legitimately, he could legitimately be the next big thing. Well, that's what I was going to just say. Sorry, I just have a couple quotes about Askarov. Uh, Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News on May the 11th said, flat out, Askarov has the chance to be the best goalie of his generation. A world junior starter at 17, he had his ups and downs in Ostrava, but scouts still see a total package netminder with number one potential. Uh, Sam Constantino from Sportsnet said, the enormous gap to the next best goalie prospect in addition to his size and athleticism makes Askarov a viable option from pick number five on. So uh, like the praise has been high. I don't know much about prospects, and I understand where where Rick and Bag Milk are coming from in the sense that like it, it we just keep we keep going to that well of you know we need those wingers to help out Connor and Leon. But I'm I'm of the mindset that you know how nice would it be like like Tyler said in three years to not have to worry about goalies and be watching a, a Thatcher Demko kind of performance from Askarov where he takes this team deep. And we're all kind of like, oh shit, we've got we've got goalies figured out for this foreseeable future. I, I just I love the comfort of that idea. I'm jealous of Vancouver for that reason. I'm jealous of Vancouver doesn't necessarily have that right now. Demko could well, yeah, Demko's Demko's Demko, guy, and, the, and then you they think have, he's going to be up there in the same breath as Carter Hart, though. Well, that's what I was just going to say. And then you have Philadelphia too, right? It's, I don't know if it's necessarily the same level, but it's one of those things where you just they don't have to worry about it. They're not going into an offseason being like, shit, we got to find a good backup for our, you know, somewhat good starter. Like, it's just, it, it, it's a headache that you just don't have to worry about anymore in Vancouver. Like, I know that they're looking at bringing back um, Markstrom for another year, which makes sense in a, in a tandem goaltending league. But, you know, if you have Askarov and then you have Miko Koskinen as his backup for the future, like, I don't know, it just, it, it works for me. Uh sensibly but again i see it from both sides so while you guys were uh were chatting i was just pulling up some of these goalies that we're talking about here so carter hart drafted 48th overall by philly in 2016 took him about about two and a half almost three years to get to the show Thatcher demko it took about six uh is my math right yeah about six so if we're waiting that long for a goaltender to kind of come in and solidify Connor mcdavid's career is already on the back end I don't yeah, think we're waiting six years for Askarov, though. I think we're waiting two and a half, three. I think he's a Carter Hart trajectory. But that would still be year nine of Connor's career, right? 
Yeah, but it, I mean, just because you draft a goalie in round one, it doesn't mean you can't win up until that point. No, I'm just saying, but to me, if, if the choice is between, your example, Seth Jarvis or Askarov, I would take a winger who can score that's more likely to contribute sooner on a low-cost deal. But if he comes here hoping, in a year and a half, too, isn't that year seven or eight of Connor? Yeah, sure. But there's to me, the, the, the likelihood of success for drafting a forward in the first round greatly outweighs a goaltender. Especially with what we have in the, you know, in, in, in the coverage right now. We do not have a lot of, uh, a lot of prospects nipping at our heels, waiting, you know, looking like they're going to crack the lineup. We have a couple, yes. But I don't think we have enough that we can uh, just take the uh, take the chance on fourteen and going for that. You know, Ooh. a goalie who maybe it is sixty forty that he's going to be you know a, a, a really good uh, starting goaltender for you know ten twelve years. But I, I I don't know I don't I don't think we can take that gamble right now. And, but like I also think that there's a level of uh, sorry Tyler just I think that there's a level of we haven't seen a lot of goalies go early in in a lot of years because teams have been worried about. And, and scouts have been worried about what you guys are saying exactly. That is, you know, that there is a, there's a trajectory in a lot of these guys that puts you at five and six years out. But if Askarov is being talked about being a pick that's valuable at number five, like that's, that, I know that's one guy's opinion, but that's, that, that's a different level of goalie than what we've been looking at. That's like, that's Mark Andre Fleury kind of, kind of, you know, positioning of a goalie. That, that we just haven't seen. So I, I hear what you're saying, bag milk especially. Like, you know, you, you did the research there and, and that's good. And it, But I just think that this is like, it's like it has to be a part of the conversation. It has to be a part of the discussion that, that, that these scouts that have been really back off and standoffish about, about bringing in a goalie in the early rounds are still saying, grab this guy. I would also, I would also qualify what I'm saying by if, if Ken Holland can make a couple of moves, especially around draft time or in this time leading up to the draft, that kind of bolsters the overall offensive depth on this team, then I would be a lot more willing to look at a guy like Askarov. If there are guys that, if he can go out and find, you, Tyler, you've talked about a Max Domi type, still a young guy, he's an RFA, has proven that he can put up some points. If you can go out and get something like that and bring him in and potentially have this player or piece for years going down the line. And we're going to talk about asking this to you along those lines here right away. But that would make me a lot more open to picking a goaltender. Yeah, I see that as well. Because, I mean, you look at the Oilers forward core, and the reason I wouldn't have a problem with Seth Jarvis either is when you look at it right now, who are the potentially game-breaking wingers coming through their system? Game-breaking forwards. Like Tyler Benson's probably a middle six, probably a bottom six guy if we're being honest. So is Ryan McLeod. Like Raphael Lavoie, is that the only name on that list? Which isn't good enough. Like, I think you do need to do a better job of finding some some quality forwards to add to the mix here. And I mean, at the same time, they have so many good defensemen. I could see them making a swap, you know, swapping out a D prospect for a wing prospect pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad with either Askarov or Jarvis. I personally don't even think Askarov's going to be there. Like, I think if scouts are saying he's a viable pick at five, someone's jumping up to take him. Or some team is going Who's to trade up. Who's the last, just randomly, who's the last goalie that went that high? Carey Price? Spencer Knight. I was just, I was looking, yeah, there was a couple picks recently. Spencer Knight was what, uh, 13 by Florida in 2019. Uh, And then I think there was one other one the year before. Uh, Where are you? No, 2017, sorry. Doing some research on the fly. Uh, Jake Ottinger by Dallas at 26. Okay. When the year that we took Yamamoto at 22. So that's kind of 
gives you an idea of Ottinger had some time today this year in the playoffs because of injuries, but uh, but yeah, so there, so so again, yeah, it just kind of plays into the fact that we haven't seen a guy that people are coming to, and Tyler's probably right that that if he's being mentioned there, he's probably getting taken before us. Yeah, it was kind of like you know what this kind of reminds me of, to be honest, is how we were last year. We were all talking about oh, would it be great if the others could pick Kirby Doc, and then he was yeah. long off the board even before they got there at eight, so. We'll see. We'll see. But I can tell you one thing. I guarantee that no matter who you pick, you're going to get a winner from our friends at Skip the Dishes. Go to skipthedishes.ca, get yourself something to eat this weekend. Don't try and feed yourself because we know you can't cook. We know you can't. You may try to think, you may think cooking a pot roast is going to be the magic you need for your mouth feelings this weekend, but I promise you, you're going to fuck it up. Skipthedishes.ca will not fuck it up. They will bring you whatever you need from Edmonton's vast and growing food scene. Bring it right to your door. Like Tyler always says, tip your drivers. They are putting themselves out there for you and making sure that you get fed. Go to skipthedishes.ca. Get yourself something to eat this weekend. We're talking about forwards. We're talking about the lack of scoring depth. And now I'm going to throw Andreas Athen to see you at you boys again. Frank Saravalli over at TSN yesterday wrote a item about contracts that teams are looking to move this offseason. And Andreas Athanasiu was right there in the mix with a bunch of them. And what he said, just real quick, I'm going to read it, is the Oilers are seeking to move Athanasiu before he's due a $3 million qualifying offer by October 7th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. The minimum price that a minimum price that Edmonton cannot afford to pay. Athanasiu is always intriguing because of both his speed and his 30-goal season, but he certainly didn't produce for the Oilers in a limited 13-game showing, which includes the play-in-round loss. GM Ken Holland is between a rock and a hard place on this one. Holland gave up two uh, two seconds for Athanasiu at the deadline. Now, teams are thinking he'll let Athanasiu walk for nothing in the absence of a QO, limiting the return on a trade for his rights. This one is a heartbreaker for me because at the deadline, I was pumped about Athanasiu. I thought this was the exact kind of trade that the Oilers need to make. Brought in a guy who has the potential to score. He doesn't have to have the pressure of doing it now on his shoulders. Yes, he did play, you know, mediocre at best. I thought he was better in the playing round than he was in the regular season. But there's still the $3 million price tag attached to it. So my question is, I'm actually going to steal from the mailbag that's coming up on Monday. I got a question that came in that says, why don't the Oilers just take him to arbitration? He had a bad year. Could they grind him down from where he's at at three million bucks, or is that not even an option? Personally, I'm not smart enough to understand how this works. Do you want to sit across the table and tell a player how shitty he was, and then expect him to perform well for you? I don't know. I'm throwing this out to you, Nation Nation Dan. What are we going to do with Athens Steve? It's tough, right? Because the like you said, the arbitration process historically has not gone well for uh, the team player relationship um, post argument because you are you are just tearing a player down and ken holland has some intimate knowledge as to a fantasy use issues and and shortcomings uh when it came to his time in detroit and then you know the nine game audition that he had here in edmonton uh didn't help things at all so it's i don't know i guess that's what the process is for you know is is for a team that can argue that it has you know basis to not pay him what he's owed kind of thing that's what it's there for 
But I think for the Oilers, it's just kind of recoup assets now, try and save face on a trade that, you know, a pandemic affected and, you know, such as life that it, it affected everybody in different ways. And the Oilers just kind of bid it on this trade. Yeah, like Ken Holland did say in one of his avails during the COVID break that, you know, he traded for Aspen a few thinking that the cap was going to go up by three or four million bucks. Obviously, the fact that that's not happening is not under anyone's control, but it is a problem. Do you guys think there's any way that the Oilers actually qualify him at three and kind of gamble and maybe look at moving some cap space elsewhere? Because frankly, I would rather take a flyer on Aston to see you at three million bucks, hoping he can rebound than having both Chieson and a guy like, I don't know, Kara or something. I would rather move those two and take a gamble on Aston to see you. Personally, I don't know. Tyler, what do you think? The danger with Athanasiu is always going to be arbitration, I guess. Um, and just the fact that if you gamble and go to arbitration, he is a guy who had 30 goals not too long ago. So the arbitrator might look at him and go, yeah, you want four and a half, five? Yeah, well, you scored 30 goals. These comparables you're giving me line up. Yeah, you had a bad game, but in the middle of a pandemic year, how could I blame you? You got traded, all that. Like, the, you, you can doomsday it and look at a scenario where you go, fuck. We now can't walk away from Athanasiu at a certain number because the arbitrator gave it to him. So that would suck, and that's why I'd be I, I'd be really worried about qualifying him. Um, I was of the mindset that you should qualify him because you don't want to lose him for nothing, but my colleague at uh, TSN, Matt Iwanek, made a great point, and that's you aren't getting those second-rounders back. You can't undo the trade or get picks back just by qualifying him. Ken Holland needs to do everything in his power to improve this team for next season. And if he looks at Athanasiu and he compares it to $3 million potentially in cap space and says, you know what? I can do more with that $3 million next season. I, I think he needs to let Athanasiu walk. It's going to suck. You're really, you're really biting the bullet on it and, and accepting that the trade just did not end up being a good one. But I think it's something you have to do if Ken Holland truly believes that Athanasiu at $3 million isn't worth it. So I don't want to see it happen. I'm hoping they can qualify him and trade him, sign him to a two-year deal at $2 million a season, do anything to keep him here. But I'm willing to accept the fact that there's a real risk. They just got to let him walk here. Rick, what about Athens to you? I still think you can work some sort of hockey deal. There's other RFAs out there. There's other teams in the exact same position. Um you, you already mentioned Montreal, but you know they don't know what to do exactly what they what they're doing with Domi. He wants to play center. They want him on the wing. They have to make, like it already looks like he doesn't want to be there, and they don't want him anymore. Uh, I think that you have an opportunity to make a an actual real uh, hockey trade. I uh, you know this it, it sucks that you know he he took a swing and it didn't work out for him uh, with Athanasiu, but it's not the end of the world. You don't have to let him walk for free. I mean. When you say that about us, you can say the exact same thing about Montreal and Domi. Then, like, well, maybe everybody they knows have a that bunch of money there. What's that? They have money to spend. Edmonton doesn't. That's the issue. Yeah, but they don't. They don't want to. They don't want Domi anymore, right? Like, they want him playing the wing. He wants to play center. The, like, their their relationship's kind of breaking up on its own. So the trade value uh, there, if you're another, if you're another manager. You must. You could say the exact same thing about us. I think. No, I, I think, think I. I just think there's a there's a hockey trade out there to be made. You could there's other RFAs out there that you can just swap them and and try again. Like I don't think you have to let them walk for free. I agree with you. You can swap an RFA. The Oilers are in a much more difficult spot than a lot of these teams. 
because now the word is out that Edmonton can't afford to qualify him and would prefer not to qualify him. Whereas with Montreal, they can they can take Domi to arbitration. They don't give a shit. They have lots of cap space. Whereas if the Oilers do I mean, that, we, they we get screwed a- themselves. We can afford to do it. We just don't want it. We just if an arbitrator comes back well. and wants to give him four and a half million dollars, man, the Oilers. Oh are no, no, be no! Fucked. I meant the qualify. I meant the qualifying offer. I meant the qualifying offer. We can afford the qualifying offer. Yeah, it's but, just not going to sit very well with us. You know, we're going to make some other moves in 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 order to make it work. But we could make it work if if, if necessary. But if you qualify yeah. him, you're running the risk of arbitration still. Oh no! Because if you qualify him, oh, because he can take us. Yeah. Oh, so, you say, so you're saying even if we qualify him, you think there's an opportunity that he takes us to arbitration? He doesn't have to sign the qualifying offer, does he? Or that's at least my understanding. I don't know how that works. You know what we should do? You know what we should do? We should get hard on here. Yeah, we should. Uh, at some point here soon. You can make sense of some of this stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I just, man, it sucks because this is a product of circumstance, not... It, the trade is going to look horrible if the Oilers have to walk away from him, yeah. but it's not because they don't want the player. Do you know what I mean? If if we could have seen this coming at all in February, then Ken Holland doesn't make that deal, which yeah. sucks. But that's why I'm hoping that he can kind of get going here a little bit on some of these cap dumps because I'm still trying to figure out why the Minnesota Wild traded Eric Stahl for Mark, Yo- Mark Johansson. That one doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean, like, so some of these cap dump trades that are happening right now, I'd love to see the Oilers get involved sooner than later. I think we're just out there looking for actual hockey trades. I'm not so sure he's worried about dumping anybody right now. He's out there trying to take whatever asset it is and turn it into something else. I think there's some opportunity for cap dump trades. Yeah. So, like, if there's like a Chieson for, you know, pick whatever, I would do that in a heartbeat. What is he, 2.1 right now? Yeah. Like I think there's a chance to just straight up cap dump chase on Kara Russell. And the quicker you do that, the easier your decision with Athens CU is. Cause if you all of a sudden snap your fingers, make a few moves and you can clear up seven mil, well then this off season is going to look very, very different. Right. Then that's kind of where I'm hoping to is I'd love to see, um, Holland get in on some of these quickly. Cause looking at puckpedia.com chase on at 2.1, you know, he signed that deal after, scoring a career-high 22 goals or whatever it was. That's not going to happen again. I'd love that cap space. Jujar, I love you, buddy, but... You didn't I, do it I'm, in the playoffs. And, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Even, I'm sorry. I have, even I'm at the point where he's an RFA, right? So you really can't do anything. Uh, he's 1.2 mil. 2021, so yeah, he's still got one year left. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I love Jujar, but I'm sorry. We needed something more out of you in the playoffs, and that was your last opportunity to kind of salvage um, this shitty season, and unfortunately it didn't work out. So, next. I just I'd love to see Holland getting some of these done sooner than later, um, before some of these teams have already made all the moves that they need to make or whatever. I guess I don't know. Again, interesting off season. It's not just the Oilers that are in trouble either. Looking at Puckpedia, there's you know there's a handful of teams that are in real cap trouble. So it's going to be an interesting season to see off season just to see how many of these guys get moved for next to nothing. Um, Tyler, you've written at length about third line centermen either trading or signing. Koivu not being re-upped in Minnesota, would he have any interest? Would he be of any interest to you, or is he too long in the tooth at this point? Uh, no, he'd have interest to me. I just can't see why he would come here, if that makes sense. Like, 
the Oilers probably wouldn't be able to pay him more than what one to one and a half million. That's probably what you're comfortable paying a guy like uh, Miko Koivu. Um, that might get you mm-hmm. outbid if you're looking at Miko Koivu as well. Um, and like if you're Koivu, Edmonton, let's say they're one of the few teams that offers you one million dollars. You spent your whole career in Minnesota. You're 37 years old. You could go back to Finland and probably make three four hundred thousand dollars a year, or go back to Europe somewhere. I should say and make three four hundred thousand dollars a year. You come to Edmonton, you have to move to Edmonton, you have to go through the rigors of training for an NHL season again. You're only making a million dollars, but it's not actually going to be a million dollars because of all the stuff that's happened with escrow. I believe Frank Saravalli said the other day he's probably only going to make, or a free agent's only going to make 75 to 80% of what he signs for. And let's say the season gets chopped down to 60 games all of a sudden. Then you've got to give back even more of that. So do you really want to sign a deal when you could potentially only be making like 60% of it? I think Koivu's going to sign in Europe or he's going to retire. I don't think he's going to take a small money NHL deal that could result in him only getting like 600K. The dude's made over 60 mil in his career. I don't think he wants to grind through another NHL season, have to move only to get a fraction of what he signed for. Those are all all valid arguments. I mean, there's there's the the opposite opposite side of that just says, you know, maybe it's just one of those 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 hockey players that just wants to keep playing, right? There's some of those guys that you know you scratch your head and wonder why they're why they're still doing it, but that's just what they want to do. So, you know, maybe maybe he falls into that category. But I do think that uh, odds are, Tyler, you're probably right there. That it's probably at the point where, with all the negatives about this upcoming season, is probably the easiest opportunity for him just to kind of pack up and, and go back home if that's his ultimate plan. Anybody else since you've been uh, kind of looking around at? Uh, the 3C that really intrigues you or are you still kind of on the Eric Holla train as being the ideal? The Eric Holla train from the free agency perspective makes the most sense. If you're looking at the trade market, um, I really like Jared McCann out in Pittsburgh. I think he's an interesting fit. I wrote a little bit about Nick Benino, a veteran guy where maybe if you could work a Russell for Benino swap, that's a deal I, I wouldn't mind. I also uh, went over to Vegas and I saw that they have a couple of RFAs, Nick Cousins, and Chandler Stevenson. Uh, They both aren't full-time centermen, but they're both RFAs. Vegas is right up against the cap. They basically have no cap space. Uh, Once they sign Leonard to his deal, they're going to have nothing. So there's a couple guys there. Uh, The one, and actually it was, I believe it was RCN who texted it in the other day. Um, He said, what if you went to Calgary, and Calgary is losing a lot of defensemen here, and you offered them Chris Russell for Derek Ryan? That's Derek Ryan making $3.1 million, Maybe you even have to retain 500k of Russell so that those two salaries are a wash. But Ryan making 3.1 right-handed centerman, 20, 33 years old. I, Derek, that's a trade I would love. If you could find a way to get Derek Ryan out of Calgary, I'd be all over that. And we all know how much Calgary loves the Cowboys. Exactly. Hey, we don't have we don't have the rodeo anymore, right? So yep, it's in their blood. What about a guy yeah. like um, looking? I'm looking at uh, the list here. Chris Tierney in Ottawa is an RFA. He'll be due around yeah. with his qualifying offer be around three million bucks. Do you think what I know you like him a little bit? Yeah, I really like Chris Tierney. Uh, on the younger side, like you said, RFA, so maybe some flexibility to get a deal done. He's only twenty six years old at thirty seven points last year. Uh, he shoots left, so that's one knock on him. But I, if you're only looking for a right shot center, I think you're going to come out of this offseason pretty disappointed. Uh, I would be looking hard into Tierney. I wonder what the acquisition cost is though. 
Like, I wonder how much Ottawa would want for a 26-year-old center, especially a guy who has the amount of experience that he does. And they're on, they're, they're building up a young core there. You don't want to get rid of all your sort of more veteran options. I, I wonder if Kearney might just cost a little bit too much. But if Ottawa wants to get rid of him, I, I'd be all over it. What, Changing what about a guy? Oh, I'm just ahead, curious then. your guys' thoughts on a guy like Cody Eakin. Like, if, if Winnipeg doesn't sign him, which he might only cost you like a million and a half. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he had a rough year last yeah. year. He only had uh, five five goals and ten assists for in 49 games. Um, so he's a little banged up too. But you know, there's a guy that only cost the the Jets for a fourth round draft pick. So it wasn't like they were you know going out seeking him for for everything to solve for them. So I, I just think, I think that there's, I think there's options out there where, yeah, again, a guy like Cody, you could, you could get him for a million and a half and, and there's a hell of a third line center right there. I don't think it's a hell of a third line center. I think he's good. I don't think he should be priority one though. I think there's other names to kind of, no, look no, at, he, but yeah. he, he'd be an interesting fit. I think. No, he I can think score. Uh, he's got some me, bite. Yeah. If, if he can have a bounce back year, I mean, health is a concern with him, but he, he is only 29 years old. I think I think the point here is that no matter what, the Oilers need a three C. Yeah, and they need to find a quality one because that's an upgrade that is desperately needed. Um, changing gears here before we get to hot and cold performance to wrap up this week's podcast. There's some housekeeping items. Ken Holland continues to work the phones, keeps working them for his prospects. Cooper Marodi, the latest to be heading over to Europe, he is going for the Don Burn Bulldogs in the Australian Hockey League. And by my count, that's like, I think that's around 10 guys or so, 10 players to the Oilers or prospects that are going over to Europe. So Ken Holland, very, very much in the mix in terms of getting his kids playing. And I like that. Also, another thing that came out just yesterday, the World Juniors happening in the Edmonton Hub in December. So I want to spend a couple of minutes on this asking you guys, what do you think that means? It makes sense to play it in Edmonton. Uh, The Hub is obviously working for the playoffs. All makes sense, but in your opinions, does this mean that we are not getting NHL hockey in December? We're supposed to. That was the first account, but fucking coronavirus, you never know what's going on, right? Does the World Juniors happening in the you know around Christmas time affect, or does it give you a tell on what's happening with the NHL season? I think I don't think so. I I I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so because to me. And this is just, I mean, obviously, you know, we have no idea how the, how the NHL plans to come back, but the, the idea and the thought that, that I've been seeing kind of float around is, is doing mini, mini tournaments in bubbles. So you have three or four bubbles and teams are going to those bubbles for eight game stints, eight, 10 game stints where they're playing against other teams and then they break the bubble. And the teams can go back to their cities and train and, and work out. And, and then they go back into another bubble and they, and they do another stint. So I think that that would, that would align with that kind of idea, that plan where you have a stint in December and then the teams go back to their cities to be with their families around Christmas and all that good stuff. And then back into another bubble, uh, you know, and, and in that situation, like the Edmonton bubble may not have the Oilers in it kind of thing. So I, I think that it's, I think that it's, it doesn't necessarily signal to that. It's not a great thing, but I think the big, big takeaway to take from that is that we have hockey in December, thanks to Edmonton. Yeah, Dan, you've been pushing Edmonton to saving hockey <laughs> again. 
Tyler, what do you think? Is this a fact to the NHL or no? Uh, I think the World Juniors is going to be the only hockey we're watching in December. I, I don't see the NHL starting in December. I don't. I, I heard the rumors about the bubble stuff that Dan's talking about, and I think that makes sense. I just think they're going to have a real hard time getting the players to agree to that. I think they, they're going to want to travel around. They're going to watch the NFL and Major League Baseball do their traveling around. And, I mean, some states are going to be okay with them allowing fans. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning already have approval for like 7,000 fans in their building or something like that. I believe I read that somewhere, but don't quote me. Um, I think they're going to want to travel around next year. And they're, if it's a matter of waiting until January 1 to start the season, I honestly don't think they have a problem waiting till January 1st, cutting the season down to, let's say it's 70 games and going from there. I don't think we're going to see the NHL starting on December 1st. I hope. I mean, I hope it still starts in December, but I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't think it's starting in December anymore. Bill Daly even said start. on a podcast that he was kind of he he was non-committal to the December one date. And if he's not sitting there going, "Nope, we're <laughs> still planning on starting on December first, then I'm not thinking we're starting on December first. See, so uh, what was it two or three weeks ago? I had a couple of the guys from NHL Network who transferred from the Toronto bubble to the Edmonton bubble, so I got a chance to have a chat with them, and I asked them a couple of questions like that. And the original deal was that November 17th was um, training camp. December 1st was drop of the puck for game one, unless there was some issues with the NFL, so with the way that they're traveling. So if the NFL was going to run into some baseball-esque troubles, then all of a sudden the NHL was their second, their second plan was to drop the puck on January 1st and start it off and start the, the season off with the, uh, the heritage game. And in terms of the bubbles, um, from what I was told, the players all voted, or the majority, I guess, at the end of the day, would have to be the, the winning vote. But the winning vote was not to do the bubbles, that they wanted to travel uh, travel normal. So I think what they're doing right now is keeping an eye on the on the uh, the NFL. And yeah, you're not going to want to say anything, for one, that they're, they're being smart and keeping their mouth shut and not, and not really saying too much. Um, because, yeah, you do have to wait till it gets a little bit closer. But I think for the long, in the long run, man, I think for both the league and the players, it's best to make next year as close to the end time as, as, as possible. So that 21-22 is as it's, it needs to be like yeah. normal um, mid-October start and, you know, mid-June cup. Mm-hmm. So I think the only way to do that is to um, drop it as early as possible. And as long as there's no NFL issues, I can still see it being, you know, uh, December 1st, they get the NHL going. It's it's not as simple as just saying if it works for the NFL, it's going to work for us, or if it works for Major League Baseball, no, it's going to work for us. Because they don't have the border to worry about. Like, there's going to be so much travel in and out of Canada. If the Canadian government says to the NHL, no, we're not doing this, then the NHLs they can't do anything about that. No, that's fair. But I, I, I honestly, I don't see that happening. Um, I you see... think the government's going to open up the border by December? I can see the, the the government opening up the border to the NHL. Maybe for you and me, no. But in terms of, of um, that type of money, yeah, I can see that happening for sure. It's, dude, I think... I don't I see it without a quarantine. Pardon me? I don't see it without a, the, yeah. them demanding a quarantine, which is then going to just throw off your whole schedule. No, yeah. because you end up quarantining in the city. Like, you quarantine... Okay, we're flying, you know, from wherever to wherever. You're flying in. You're landing at fucking EIA. They're busting you to the hotel. The hotel's already been, you know, most likely you'd have one hotel for all the teams and maybe a backup for a team that shows up early. Have a floor or two floors or whatever you need. They hit up that area. 
They, they're, you know, they're here a day early. They, you know, they're pretty much stuck in their hotel the next day or, you know, the day before game day, game day, they're stuck in their hotel or they're going to go, you know, practice. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I do. There's, I, I don't mean they're going to keep... gonna be more aggressive. They're going to get more aggressive with this whole COVID thing as they're moving forward because in Canada, yeah, we, we don't have the amount of deaths in the hospitals that, that, you know, they have in the U.S. And that has to be a good thing. You know, there for all the cases we have out there, they don't tell you which are asymptomatic and which are, you know, yeah. someone really hurting on the couch at home. I, I'm not now keep, the taking time. apart your idea, but the other thing would be, what do you do with the Oilers when they return from a road trip? Can they go see their families or do they have to stay in a hotel for two weeks? Yeah, and, like, that's, and, that, and a- that's completely fair. You know, obviously there's going to be seven Canadian teams where they're going to have to work on that. But luckily for me, I'm not the one getting paid those big that big yeah. dollars to make those decisions. So those guys are going to have to fucking figure it out. But in what? the long run, I think they were able to figure out this, this bubble. They were able to figure everything out. Um, NFL is moving around. They seem to be okay so far. You know, even if you get one or two um, cases in your organization, does not mean your organization, everyone's going to get it all of a sudden, right? This has been proven in the, in the, in the NFL and in the MLB. That's still another now, couple months down the road. They're going to make, I, honestly, I do. I, I do think, and we need to get back to the point where we kind of start taking, I know it's not, it doesn't sound right, but taking more chances and just expanding life and getting back to uh, normal as fast as possible. Now's the time for an all-Canadian division. Yeah, The fucking weirdness of the coronavirus has pushed us to this point where, all right, we'll let the U.S. teams, they all travel around, and then the seven Canadian teams just keep playing each other over and over again. What's our record against the, America, the Canadian teams last year? Like, how, I don't know. How scared should I be about that? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. Imagine eight battles of Alberta next year. Whew. Okay, we used to do that, but what happens if we have to go fucking lose to Ottawa eight times because we always fucking lay an egg <laughs> against them? <laughs> or Montreal, if I can, you know, all of a sudden Carey Price has eight outstanding games and they're all against fucking Connor McDavid. Either way, they're going to need to come up with some kind of solutions here if they want to get this going. Before we get to hot and cold performers, I just want to quick, quickly touch on Stanley Cup finals set to kick off. Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning going at it in Edmonton at Rogers Place. Again, very weird to say, but it is what it is. Gentlemen, who are you cheering for? Are you cheering for Pat Maroon to win his second straight Stanley Cup? He was the first ever Oiler to score at Rogers Place. Or are you cheering for Sexy Reg, who's still on our books? He is still being paid by the Oilers. He is now with Dallas, and he's going for a Stanley Cup. Which side are you leaning towards in terms of the Stanley Cup Finals? I'm cheering for Tampa. I like to see good, skilled teams get rewarded, and I think that's what Tampa is, so I'm going to be rooting for the Lightning. How many games? Uh, Six. Mr. Nation Dan, what is your Stanley Cup prediction and your games total, please? Uh, My prediction is going to be Dallas in seven. seven. Uh, my, My hope is Tampa Bay for the same reason, but I just feel like, I feel like Tampa showed that a style of play that the New York Islanders played that is eerily similar to somewhat what the Dallas Stars do, uh, just shutting it down and, and not letting a lot uh, not letting a lot happen in, in the other team's end, uh, but but not letting like they lean on Kudobin. I just think that I think that that's going to win the day this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I, I really wish Tampa could could pull it out, especially after last year's disappointment and then the way that they just kind of. Turned it on this season and and were unbelievable all the way through. 
it's amazing. No matter what happens in the NHL, the rule changes or whatever, the fucking trap just never goes away, does it? Uh, Rick, your Stanley Cup prediction and the number of games, please. I don't think Dallas stands a chance. You know, there might be some bias there. That's one team I can't stand um, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Tyler, I'm, I'm confused. What happened to you? You were on the uh, hate watching. Now, all of a sudden, we're cheering for teams. I am cheering for Dallas to stub their toe and look absolutely horrible. That is where I'm going with it. I think I honestly don't think it's going to be close at all. I think Tampa's a way better team. I think it's over in five. I'll, I'll address that comment in my hot and cold performers, I think, Rick. Uh, I'm going to go. I also, I'm taking Tampa as well. I think that, especially if Stamkos comes back, which it looks like he may, um, that's going to be a nice little boost for them. So I'm going to go Tampa in six. We shall see, because I will tell you, gentlemen, Degenerate Bag Milk's uh, betting record right now, not so great. Not so great. So maybe Dan is actually in luck here with his Dallas pick. But we shall see. Gentlemen, that brings us time to close out this podcast with the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performance of the Week. Tyler, get your buttons ready. Mm-hmm. Go into any of the 14 locations for a curbside pickup or a takeout order, and you will be contributing to Oodle Noodle, donating 10% of those orders to local charities and initiatives. This week, the charity partner is Kid Sports. Go watch the video that is up on the Nation Social. It's up on Oodle Noodle Social. Watch Jake tangle with the local wildlife out in Horlap Park. Uh, it is at oodle underscore noodle on Twitter, at oodle noodlegram on Instagram. As we always do, we're going to start with the cold performers of the week. Mr. Nation Dan, your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. Well, it feels like now I'm just going after these guys, but it's another one of these uh, shock jocks, the guys that just say stuff just to get people fired up. And it's Steve Simmons. Has that guy been on the right side of history in anything? I don't think so. I don't think anybody going around the table can say that, that that they can remember something where they were like, yeah, Steve Simmons really hit the nail on the head there. I don't want to go into what he recently stirred it up with, but he's just an absolute dolt. So Steve Simmons, my cold performer of the week. What the hell is going on? Oh, these new buttons. I love these new buttons. (laughs) Rick, your Oodle Noodle cold performer of the week. Well, this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's going to uh, make sense with my last comments there. Uh, It's it's the, uh, the Vegas Knights. You had one job, and that was to get rid of this stupid-ass franchise out of the stupid-ass <laughs> playoffs, and you guys screwed up, and you lost, and you failed. Uh, go home and feel ashamed. You're definitely the cold performer. Mr. Yaremchuk, your Oodle Noodle cold performer of the week. I'm just going to say this, and it, this is going to feel like a hot performer, but it's not. The style of hockey that the New York Islanders play, that is my cold performer. They got eliminated, so they're my cold <laughs> performer as well. But the style of hockey they play, no one likes watching 1-1 hockey games. If anyone says that defensive hockey is fun or that they enjoy it, they are lying to you. Everyone would prefer a 5-4 hockey game because sports is supposed to be entertaining, and the New York Islanders did absolutely everything in their power to make that series against the lightning as boring as possible. I am so happy they are eliminated because the way they play the game sucks. New York Islanders, you're my cold performer of the week, not just because you lost, but because the style of hockey you play makes me hate the sport. I love. (laughs) That was passionate. I like it. Again, nobody likes watching the trap. My noodle noodle cold performer of the week is very dumb but it's passionate to me, and I know Tyler will be there too, probably Dan as well. 
David on Big Brother has to be one of the worst fucking players that this game has ever seen. He won a secret power, used it on himself, and then he proceeded to go around the house asking everybody else if they saved him, and nobody was buying his bullshit. Nobody. He is so bad at Big Brother that it is shockingly entertaining, and he is my oodle noodle cold performer of the week. Y'all stink. Amen on that one, Bengal. Good job. Oh, he's he's so a- bad. Just a moron. He's so it, bad at Big Brother. I, he's incredible. I, I literally had that rant yesterday during the show. And I don't I don't tend to get emotional during this show. But I was just like, you are complaining that everybody thinks you're a joke of a player. And you're a joke of a player. He's the worst. He is absolutely the worst. Everything he does sucks. And all I want is for him to go on a run of wins or something and be like, yeah, David, you're doing it. You're playing Big Brother. But never does. He never does. He always screws things up. David, you're terrible. Anyway, Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Let's get to the good news from the last seven days. Rick, I'm going to start with you. Your best of the last seven days. Uh, I may be stealing this from somebody here, but mine goes out to Dr. Randy Gregg and everybody involved. Damn it. I knew it. <laughs> and everybody involved with bringing the Edmonton Riverhawks to town. Um, I don't want to get... I probably don't even know all of the stories as to why the prospects left and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. We were left without a team, and now all of a sudden, we've got the Riverhawks in town. Um, I don't know exactly when they get started, but I can't wait to get out there. And uh, I heard a lot of uh, a lot of changes coming to, to the stadium, too, so uh, I look forward to seeing the new scoreboard and whatever they're going to do over at the, uh, the old John Ducey Park there. I like this right here. That, that baseball park's amazing. So the fact that there was no team in there for a minute is just like, it's such and, a tragedy. And now they have an owner who's willing to spend and do things the right way. And it is amazing. Randy Gregg, I love him. And like, is there anything better? I know not this year in 2020 because everything sucks, but there's nothing better than sitting in that ballpark when the sun is out, having a beer, watching some baseball. You mean in the, you mean in the nation box? In the nation box. That's right. And then we can chirp the players and they can hear us when it's fun. Um, that was Rick. Dan, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Well, I uh, it's, it's for off the ice, Rick, so calm the hell down already. <laughs> but it's going to go to the Vegas Golden Knights and I, the Vegas I, Golden Knights fans. I agree. So, I agree. so uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, the Golden, Golden Knights, every week that they were here, uh, donated pizza for the entire staff of the Boyle Street Community Center. Uh, while they were here, uh, and then just happened just this morning, I think uh, it really took off steam. But a Golden Knights fan on Reddit, the username is Scotty Foxy, uh, put together a, a <laughs> pizza donation setup where uh, Golden Knight fans can kind of pick up where the Golden Knights left off. And so uh, Vegas Golden Knight fans have actually donated now, and it can they can donate until I think it's Sunday night. Uh, they've donated now six weeks worth of pizzas, so they actually beat their own team nice. uh, in in deliveries there uh, to the Boyle Street Community Center. So that's, that's amazing to see from the team and then the fans as well. Uh, and and huge shout out to Boyle Street for what they do in our community as well. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of love coming there. So it's the Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knight fans, and Boyle Street Community Center. Put some respect on my name. Hundred percent. That's great. Love that. Uh, Tyler, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. 
One sec, you're just going to scratch off Riverhawks, scratch off Vegas helping <laughs> Oil Street. Um, boy, running running thin on ideas here. I'm going to look across at the Buffalo Bills jersey I have laying in my living room and give my hot performer of the week to my Buffalo Bills, who are 1-0, and and I'm putting some money on them to go 2-0. and The division is theirs this year. Let's go, careful, Bills careful, Mafia. Careful, they careful. are my hot performer of the week. Yeah! How many tables did you go through for that one? Love the Bills. They have a rough time with that team they're playing this week. No, they really don't. They do. Go back and check the records. I've watched plenty of Dolphin games over the last decade. And yeah, Buffalo, even when they're looking their best, they tend to have a couple. They can, last they can decade don't matter. Last decade doesn't matter. <laughs> and my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week, it, this is completely ridiculous, but it just it's my love of internet culture and memes and all dumb bullshit that goes along with it. Uh, there, was a, there was a table read of Fast Times at Ridgemont High with a bunch of celebrities, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, there's a whole bunch of them in there, but I want to give a special shout out to Shia LaBeouf, yes, who yes. looked like he was in the bag for the entire thing. <laughs> he played Spicoli, and just look at pictures of that dude. If you were on your phone, if you were on a computer, Google Shia LaBeouf from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High read. He was hilarious. Look at those eyes. Look at the, man. Those are piss holes in the snow is what oh, those oh. are. I've been there before. I know what that's like. My hot performer of the week, Shia LaBeouf in the Fast Times table read. I also drink a beer at Roger's Place, and I get crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's, and, he's looking like bag milk on a, on a Vegas Nation vacation. Yeah, that's like a 3 a.m. bag milk as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I also want to give a secondary hot performer to Twitter for giving us our Twitter account back. Hey. I don't know when that happened. Uh, I was just talking about it with Wanya like a couple of weeks ago and it was still locked down. So I don't know what happened. Thank you, Jack Dorsey, for doing that. Go follow us at ON Radio Podcast. Same thing on Instagram. And thank you for being here. Thank you for telling all of your friends about it. And please review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to read those out. There was nothing new today. I beg of you, please review our podcast. No matter what, say I'm a shithead. I'll read that. I don't care. But in the meantime, thank you for all being here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 